0: be revelation 16 but uh, do you have any questions or issues or problems or anything to that level back in chapter uh 15 that we uh, talked about uh last week or feeling good cruising along crushing it it's all good excellent can't wait for y'all to teach it great Glad you're in. <laughs> uh, one thing to just keep in mind in this section is we, what you you see the second section of the book doing is, is giving an overview and then getting a little bit deeper and then a little bit deeper and then a, and a little bit deeper. Uh, chapter 17 is where you really get to the nitty gritty details of things, and we're kind of moving our way along in terms of uh, getting a little deeper and a little deeper in, in these pictures about. Uh, what God is is going to do. We've seen uh, that, that Satan through the picture of the dragon is raising up a world empire, the Roman Empire, to use that uh, as a tool of persecution on, on the people of God. And so what chapters 14 and 15 are doing are describing not only those difficulties, but the judgment that is uh, deserved upon the Roman Empire because they are standing against uh, God and His people, and ultimately, are, are a servant of, of Satan. So let's uh, let's let's read chapter sixteen. Then, uh, I'll, how about the first sixteen verses? What are the odds we'll get through all that? We'll, we'll just we'll make that our paragraph. Revelation sixteen verse one. <clears throat> then I heard a loud voice from the temple, telling the seven angels, "Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of God's wrath." So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became like the blood of a corpse and every living thing that was in the sea and everything living thing died that was in the sea The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire, and they were scorched by the fierce heat. They cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent or give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. They gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl in the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Super easy chapter. Nobody has any issues with these things, right? Wow, we. Uh, this is where people kind of really get uh, disjointed about things that are, that are being being described uh, in this section. Uh, did you? If I were to just observe those first five uh, bowls. Do you notice anything that seems, uh, what do we want to say, consistent about them that is similar about the five bulls as as they're first drawn out, some of their characteristics about them? See any uh, connections or anything about that or something unusual about them? Frank? Okay, well, you see a lot of parallels to the plagues of Egypt in some of the descriptions, right? And we'll, we'll talk about that. You see boils, you see darkness, and you see uh, water to blood and things like that. So you, you're getting some connections to uh, these uh, Egyptian uh, Egyptian plagues. Um, and and I think you could probably even if you wanted to spend the time and observing that it could be a, an attack against some of those uh, Roman pagan gods. And and just as much as you see that with the Egyptian gods being uh, judged in that uh, one thing I want you to particularly notice that I think is is curious is that there's very little detail. Did you notice like each one is a sentence? It's just like the first bowl, second bowl. This is not hang around and think about these bowls. It's just, you know, real quick, which is particularly interesting, which to me says then you're not supposed to spend an awful lot of time trying to work out the gory details of, you know, pouring the bowl out on the sun and what you're supposed to do with all of that because... It's clearly just trying to quickly move through them. It's just a very fast statement. Poured the bowl on the earth. There's one sentence in verse 2. Verse 3, one sentence. Verse, verse 4, one sentence. And then you have an angel making a proclamation about what's going on. Everything is moving really quick. Did you see a repetition about the reasoning why these bulls are being given and what's the intended response, what's the response here, Muriel? It didn't say it 3 to 1, but for several of them, I mentioned that, you know, they were trying to break them to repent. Good. You notice that, it, it, particularly as you move through those, uh, in verse 9 and in verse 11, uh, once we get to the 4th and the 5th bowls, it says, and they didn't repent. And, and we talked about that with the first section as well, when we saw, the, uh, the, the various seals being opened and it would say that a third or a fourth, there'd be a fraction that was, that was being given and then you would have the words and they didn't repent and so then, okay, finally, if you're not gonna repent, here's this big judgment that's going to happen and I want you to see that you're seeing a similar framework. Why, why go so quickly through these first five bowls except to try to communicate okay, here's a judgment that's coming that is intended for the people of the world to repent, but they don't. And they don't do it successively five times over. They don't repent, they don't repent, they don't repent. Which then makes sense when you get to verse 12. Notice the sixth bowl. Do we have a lot more detail? A lot more detail. We, we, we stopped doing one sentence, booms real fast, and now you're kind of, planted for a while here's this paragraph from verse 12 all the way to verse 16 is the sixth bowl which seems to then kind of give us a feel that we're probably talking about a bigger judgment and not just here's a judgment they didn't repent okay judgment didn't repent it seems at the end of the fifth bowl, it's like okay they didn't repent so now something's going to have to happen A, a a a national judgment a final judgment is is going to be given so With that, does that make sense as to why I'm looking at this chapter this way? Due to the conciseness of the other bulls and the statement they didn't repent seems to indicate that these are warning judgments trying to move the nation to wake up and turn to God, stop worshiping the beast, stop worshiping its image. The judgments are not working. Rather than the judgments causing people to turn to God, they continue to curse God and don't repent which then only seals their fate all the more for the final two bulls, indicating a finale uh, on this this judgment imagery on, on the beast. Mike.
1: So, uh, in reading this, I'm always trying to. I'm very black and white guy. Try to find the, the sequence of calamities, the, the timeline, the time frame. And how would the, how I don't know if it's figured out not, but how would the people know to curse God? To attribute the calamities to God to
0: curse them in the first place. Oh, easily. Just like today. Something bad happens. What does everybody do? Blame God. Yeah, and blame God. And if you go on and say, we need to pray for God, what does everybody then out yell? God ain't nothing to do with this. You all been praying to God for a super long time and that ain't solving anything. I think we're. I think it's all, but particularly the Roman nation, because it's a judgment that's on the beast, which has been identified as the Roman Empire. So, as these judgments are happening on the beast, rather than people going, "Hmm, maybe we ought to turn to God and think about our ways," they blame God all the more and continue to go further into their wickedness. Which, I mean, that's. I'm not remember if I. Ha- I think I have it on my screen later on. I would just argue that's the way of every nation historically ever is as things get worse as people then don't turn to god they blame god for all their societal problems all the more and that pushes them even further away from god which then solidifies a final judgment so uh does that does that work for what's what's going on there okay good muriel
1: Yeah, us, but
0: again, no sure. No. And I mean, you can even see that a little bit in the shift of our own culture. After the World Trade Center in 2001, I don't know that I ever thought I would have seen all of Congress stand on the steps and sing God bless America. I, I mean, <laughs> OK, but. <laughs> uh, 22 years later, (laughs) we're now more shaking our fist at God. So that's the same idea, is that something happens. Will it cause you to turn your eyes upward or will it cause you to shake your fist upward? And that's what's happening here for for the first century here with the Roman Empire, shaking fists upward toward toward God. Charlotte? right What? what does it do? okay well I'm only in the overview we'll get there don't worry I'm not leaving I'm not blowing 16 off to the side and shrugging it off we'll, we'll do it just I really think it's important to set the framework of what this chapter is doing before we look at all of these bowls to have an understanding of why these things are are, are happening and seeing this intent of and they didn't repent really clues you in about what those first five bowls are, are, are trying to do now If you think about the Egyptian connection, think about how that fits very well. Uh, The the very first plague is the water turned to blood. What's God supposed to get Pharaoh to do through that? Repent. Let the people go. Let them go worship. Right. And you could probably write if you wanted to the New Testament phrase at the end of the first plague. And Pharaoh didn't repent. (laughs) Right. And, And so he does it again and he doesn't repent and doesn't repent and then. He occasionally lets them go for half a second, and then actually repents of that and doesn't let them go. So I think that's an important picture that's being being given here. Yep. And I think it also says something about God
2: about His wrath. The purpose of it is just to 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 is to for to, to of yeah. not punishment. Good. Or not,
0: just away. Good. Yeah, and I think that's really important: is to see that. Uh, judgments by God are intended for repentance. I'm, I'm very anxious, well, not for July to get here, but I'm, when I start the new series in July, and we're going to be uh, in the books that address the nation of Assyria and Jonah in the morning and Nahum in, in the evening and putting those two together because you're going to get a strong picture of how God brings about judgments and calamities to try to get people to repent, and the irony of Jonah is, is everybody repents but Jonah? That's the great irony of the thing. Is everybody's going, oh yes, except the prophet. He seems to not get that, uh, and so that's what's what you see here. Is you're supposed to go, oh, eyes open, got it, need to pay attention to God, but but that doesn't happen here. All right, <clears throat> first uh, bull verse, verse two, or no verse, yeah, verse two. What is this uh, bull poured out on? Okay, on the earth, and so who's who's suffering? Okay, and that should make sense of what we've been seeing, right? That 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 that's logical. What we saw in chapter thirteen and chapter fourteen is a picture that you either have the mark of God and are sealed by God, and those are the people who do not worship the beast and its image, or you have the mark of the beast, which means you don't worship God, you are participating in the pagan worship, the idolatrous worship, the emperor worship, all the imperial things that are going on, and it's either one or or the other. You are completely in the culture and you are submitting to the, the ways of the Roman Empire in terms of that religious angle so that you're able to buy and the sell in the marketplace and you're not being persecuted and all of that, or you're, you're worshiping God. So it would make sense that what you're seeing here is a statement that the reason why this judgment is coming is because they're not worshiping God. And if you wanted, we could even... Uh, Go back to chapter 14 and notice in verses six and seven that in preparation of these these judgments, there was the the warning of the gospel being proclaimed overhead in verse six and verse seven said, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and springs of water. So judgments coming, worship God. Are they worshiping God? No. So okay, then here we go. Here, here now we're starting to unfold these judgments that was warned about earlier in chapter fourteen. Um, it also borrows from the Egyptian plagues in verse two. The painful sores coming on the people. When you read uh, the the ten plagues of Egypt, the one that is boils, it says that they became sores that were on the people. So it's the same kind of picture of, that's happening here. Is God is bringing a national judgment for these people who are not uh, obeying God. All right, questions about that? Absolutely. If this is not symbolic, then we've got lots of problems. For example, I would, um, I would run ourselves over to uh, verse 13. If we want to go literal, then here we go. Let's see how this will work. Verse 13. So out of the mouth of the dragon... So we'd have to have an actual dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, we'd have to have an actual beast. And out of the mouth of the prophet, false prophet, are three unclean spirits that are like what? So we've got frogs coming out of their mouths. In verse 14, what are the frogs running around doing? They're doing miracles and signs. So should we stay symbolic? (laughs) <laughs> right. And again, the a great irony is everybody takes that symbolically. Every, everybody does. The, it's so interesting that those who really demand and know we've got to read this literally. You can't at some points. And at some points they hit the eject button and go, okay, well, that can't be (laughs) be literal. It's it's not a real dragon. It's not a real beast. It's not real frogs coming out of their mouths and going around and performing signs. It's a symbol. And so you have to just stay consistent. You can't leave symbolism unless something in the text demands otherwise. That's been our method of interpretation. Up to this point, We've only had one time, I think that I can remember, where the text demanded a literal reading. And that goes all the way back to the first three chapters, because it talked about this being written to the seven churches of Asia. And I made the point, well, seven's a symbolic, perfect number. Is it just referring to all churches? You know, in per- what in the text told us that we shouldn't read seven churches of Asia symbolically? They were named. You named them. If you wanted to hold the symbol, you'd just say, okay, and there's these seven churches. And then you start talking about, okay, well, all right, that stands for a symbol then. But then you go, okay, it's Ephesus and Sardis, and you go, okay, hold on. (laughs) You must be telling us and demanding a literal reading because you're marking them off and naming them, that these were actual churches that messengers were sent to that received this letter because the text demanded that reading. It was telling you that by all the details of that. This isn't doing that. There's nothing here going, and here is what this is actually looking like, Dennis. It does. Yeah, it's not. You read it and go, okay. well, it has to have that. However, even though the letter was actual, we noted there were symbols in the letters, weren't there? And we had synagogues of Satan. I don't think that the Jews had foregone synagogue worship of God and, you know, put on the sign synagogue of Satan. Anybody right here? It's a symbol. It's a meaning of they think they're worshiping God, but they belong to Satan. So uh, you have that. Uh, Debbie. The stuff we're
1: reading here now, is this still stuff that John is telling, preaching to people,
2: the stuff that we're reading? I mean, because my question would be, if so, then that... These
1: Israelite people, at any rate, should know these stories about
2: Egypt, yep. and would say, "Oh, yeah, I see what's going on." Right? I mean, is that what's going on? He's
0: preaching this to them. I wouldn't say that John's preaching it to them because his situation is unique. If you remember, he in chapter one is uh, on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and testimony of Christ, and he's told to write down what he sees. And then that's distributed to the seven churches of Asia. So Christians are receiving this letter and and reading it and learning it. So it wouldn't be that John's going around and and telling everybody this, but the point you're getting at is accurate. Christians would be able to read this and go, oh, yeah, I know what you're saying here because of the imagery that's being used from the Hebrew scriptures. And they would go, okay, I got that, which... (laughs) It is. And that is the point that you see in many, if, how many times have we read up to this point where it says, this is a call for the endurance of the saints, right? I'm giving you these symbols so that you know what's going to happen so that you don't cave in. You don't give up. You stay strong in the face of your, of your suffering. haven't about this is how much it reveals to us the
2: likelihood of how much they're using Hebrew scriptures. Absolutely. There is no corpus no of books no. to teach from, except no. from.
0: Exactly. Yeah, the only people who might have something would be some of those first century churches, like we believe the Thessalonian letters are early, so. Maybe they've got a copy of that and perhaps it's been copied a few times over. But, you know, it's not like you have the New Testament in widespread distribution in the first century. That's coming. <laughs> it's going to take some, take some time. I was going to say, in Acts
1: 28, when Paul was in he was still using the law
3: and the prophets.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and that's what the New Testament is even saying is. When when Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and tells him about, you know, all scriptures breathed out by God. And we often think, okay, New Testament, right? New Testament wasn't even around. He's he's talking about the Hebrew scriptures. We're able to make the man of God complete and perfect for every good work. We just often don't think of it that way. We, we, We get very New Testament focused and don't realize you can teach all of the old testament and have salvation and see christ that's what the ethiopian eunuch does that's what jesus does in luke 24 men on the road to emmaus he just goes let me show you
1: <laughs> uh,
0: what else were they teaching in the first century except genesis through malachi to everybody and we're bringing people to faith that's what the scripture says what romans romans 10 says uh, romans 15 says as as, as well all right uh, second bull and third bull. Tell me about them. Do <clears throat> they sound familiar? Blood. Yeah. What's turned to blood? The sea. Yeah. Well, it was, and, and and then you go to verse four and what else? So, yeah. So I'm actually going to combine the second and the third bulls together because it basically is saying all the water turned to blood. We've got the sea and in, in the second bull we've got the rivers and the springs of water. Uh, in, in the fourth fourth bowl. So again, you're, you're connecting these Egyptian plague imagery that this is going to bring about the demise of the nation if they don't repent. That should have been the click in is as these plagues look like the Egyptian plagues, people who know God would go, we're in a whole lot of trouble here if we don't repent because we know what happened last time we saw these kinds of plagues. Egypt was decimated it was absolutely devastated by those, by those judgments and God's people were set free so it's tracking that same that same uh, uh, idea tell me about what the angel says there's a very important uh, statement by the angel in verse 5 what is what's the angel proclaiming in verses uh, 5, 6, and 7 what are we learning about all this? yeah
2: Listen, this is the answer
1: to chapter 6 yes Long, it's long. Here's your answer.
0: Yeah, finally, we're seeing something, right? Uh, th- that, that's what is it, it for, for, in the ESV verse five, very first word, just <laughs> God is just who is who was for you have brought these judgments. Notice the statement is not, you know, God is petty. God is finally bringing judgments. God is finally bringing justice. Well, what's the justice? I think Evan is right on. Verse six, because these have also persecuted the people of God. When we started off early on in our study, we talked about there are two entities that are persecuting the people of God. We saw initially the Jewish people are the ones that are dragging Paul out of the city, stoning him, leaving for dead, persecuting the Christians at that time. Well, in chapter 11, we saw that judged, right? But there was another entity that was also persecuting the people of God, the Roman Empire. So the big question back in Revelation 6 in that fifth seal was how long? How long are we going to deal with this? How long till you bring justice? How long till you bring judgment? And so here, as these bowls are now coming out The angel is able to say, this is the answer. God is destroying these nations as justice for God's people because they have killed the prophets and killed the saints. I love the end of verse six. It is what they deserve. God is doing what is necessary. They are not repentant. Justice and judgment has to happen. Verse seven Yes, Lord, God, the almighty, true and just are your judgments. No one is going to look at this and go unfair and false are God's judgments. No, these are right. This needed to happen.
1: The altar.
0: That's where they're at. That's where we saw them last is under the altar. Now, here is the altar crying out those these words. It is a victory of God's people to say, all right, we're finally seeing God bring about his wrath, which very important message here. As the Christian experiences unrighteousness and suffering and persecution and death for the cause of Christ, is God going to give judgment the next day? No, No. that's not how God works. Lots of time is given, but inevitably a judgment comes. Now, the unfortunate part for us is time causes us to fall asleep and think God's not doing anything. That's what 2 Peter 3 is all about. Don't sit there and think God's not doing something because God's giving time for repentance. He's giving all of this time, pouring out bowls. They're not repenting. Time is being given, but eventually time is up. To every nation, eventually time is up, and eventually to the world, time is up. So that's why God always says, be watchful, be ready, you don't know when, because at some point time is up. But for us, the call for the endurance of the saints is not to think, well, because things are getting really bad and Christians are suffering and being persecuted and and being killed, God must not exist, or that God doesn't care, or that God's not going to do something. He is. But I would observe to you when it comes to the judgment of the Roman Empire, that was going to take some time. That was going to be a bit before that finally came, came true. Mira? I think, you know, these things that, place. I mean, they have plenty of warnings. Absolutely. But just like we have warnings that, that we're going to suffer. Yeah. They, they have warnings, you know. That's right. That, that we're going to bring to show Absolutely. I mean. The very first sermon of, of the apostles is not, uh, you know, everybody come in and kumbaya a hug. You killed the Christ, and you need to repent before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. <laughs> Right, they're running around telling everybody this: judgment's coming if we don't repent. You need to get right with God before judgment falls, because His judgment is true and righteous, and it's going to happen. And so you see that here with with the altar crying that out. Okay, Uh, Debbie. I'm still a little confused with the the parallels with the Egyptian plays. Okay. Well, the people of God would, and one, their job would be to tell everybody this is why this is, this is happening. But I would.
2: What was that? I mean, what was happening was not these
0: literal things, right? But there would have been difficulties and problems going on. I think there are physical uh, observations of God's judgment happening in the nation to get the people to open their eyes. I mean, you're, well, again, not they themselves, uh, an unbeliever, outsider, but the people of God would have put it. Let, let me back it up and put it like this. Let me let me see if this works. So, in 2020, all right, and I and I stood up here and I said, "We're all supposed to open our eyes and think about what in the world is going on." Right, I so, We're supposed to be thinking about, okay, we were all lost in schedules and lost. And and, uh, it was a jarring moment for everybody to realize you're not in control of tomorrow. And we all like to think that we're in control and have this power. And I went through talking about you don't even have the power over toilet paper anymore. But here we are thinking we are, you know, all sovereign and can do whatever we want. And it was a reminder, hey, you're not sovereign God's in charge and we need to be turning our eyes and looking to him. That's what should have been happening is that you run around going, Hey, this isn't just a series of random events that things happen in the world so that we open our eyes and wake up that we think about, Oh yeah, there is something after this life. Oh yeah, we are mortal. Yeah. Our life is but a vapor, but we forget it. We get lost in the culture And we're supposed to wake up and God allows things to happen in the world to ring that bell so that we go, oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, We we, we are in control of everything. Only God is. I even use the example and I'll I'll use it again. You weren't even in control of waking up this morning. Like, did you have to make sure that you woke yourself up? You know, otherwise you would have died because you did. I mean... I've always find sleep fascinating. You just somehow did it. It's not like you had to write yourself a note. Make sure to breathe while unconscious. <laughs> it is a, a shocking reality that, okay, we aren't even in control of that. And yet God is. And so we forget that. And, and this would have been that idea is that the things that were going on in, in the empire which I don't have time, but if you go, just go do some Roman history, you'll read about their destabilization. You'll read about problems. You'll read about emperors killing emperors. You'll read about it's near collapse and then re-rise again. You'll read about how the emperors were persecuting the people of God. All kinds of things are going on that is supposed to be the eyebrow raise. like, oh, uh, hmm, okay. You know, let, let me think about that. I think it's really important
1: we have to
2: remember don't read prophecy like a series of tumblers in a lot oh. that when this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going and then something will happen right john's prophecy is not a prophecy of this is what's happening in the future john's prophecy is that this is what's going on in that realm that we don't see mm-hmm. and we're, he's revealing it to us yeah. That God is in control here. Right. This is not you're supposed to sit and wait for this to happen and, and I connect the dots and all of a sudden it makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. He's revealing that it's already taking place. Right. And that God's in control. And That's so right. much of the premillennialism, so much of the any of the millennialism right. is an attempt to try to read this like it's a map. Right. And it's not. Right. It's not a map for us to sort of map it against something. Right. Because you could look at any history and go, "Well, I see it here, I see it here." Which is what people do. But history is—I have to bang your head into the wall on this. Two thousand years Mm -hmm. has happened. You don't have a sense of how much stuff has (laughs) gone on in the world that you've never heard of. Right. That at the time somebody might have said, "Oh, this is this or this is that," and it turned out not to be. Of course, because it's not. It's not. It's not tumblers on.
0: Right. I think that's a good way to put it, not tumblers in a lock, is that you have a bunch of events that are going on that is supposed to cause the people to wake up, to look around and go, aha, which I would argue that's now, too. Things are happening that you're supposed to look around and go, "Ah, we need to turn to God. We need to wake up. We need to get right with him. It's
2: changing our level of
0: vision. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's changing our level of vision. And that's what this is intended to do, to get people to get out of the minutiae of the everyday who are worshiping in the emperor, who are saying the Roman empire can never fall. It's this great beast with this mortal wound that seems to be mortal, but then it heals. And they're all going, oh, wow, this is going to all last forever. And they have all their prosperity and all of their wealth. And this is going, I know it looks that way, but it's going to fall. Wake up, look out. So yeah, it's not supposed to be an intended, you know, read this and tie it to one particular event, which is which is why I made the point at the very beginning about the very little details I think are supposed to clue us in on that. Is that by just saying uh, they all have, had had sores? All right, what are you what's the you know what are you supposed to be looking for? Right. Nothing in particular, but warning of judgments coming. Sure. <laughs> Bring untold yeah. Well, and my favorite is in, in the first century. You have uh, what's called the Year of Three Emperors, and just just try to visualize that in our country. Imagine in one year, all the presidents all killed each other, and you had three different ones all go through in one year little upheaval? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things are a little unsteady. You know, it's just imagine what, that you know, this, again, things are happening in the Roman Empire for people to turn their eyes upward rather than looking at their nation and their culture and, and say, oh, well, we're invincible. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be here forever. It, it, here's God doing things to try to get them to go. No, uh, we need to worship God instead. All right. Uh, let's see. Fourth bull. Verse 8, what do we see? Okay, and what is the result of that? What's its meaning? Okay, so notice that you just did verse 8 and 9. is just more suffering, right? I mean, I think that's the simple takeaway of that is it, it, It's not supposed to be that the sun's actually going to do something to the people. It's a symbol that is describing pain that more more suffering uh happens and again you'll notice as these judgments are proceeding uh they're cursing god suffering's not moving them to god suffering's moving them away from god god uses suffering to move people toward god again can't wait for july gonna be all we're gonna be neck deep in this idea but they're not listening they're not taking in the message And this is where I said I knew that was on the screen somewhere, but we all all jumped the gun on that. But this is this is the nature of every nation's collapse: is that God gives them the chance to wake up and repent. They don't, and so finally now it's their due. It's it's the end. Now now your time has come. Okay, Uh, fifth bull. Notice the same thing. uh, Verse ten poured out on on what. On the throne of the beast. All right. What would be the throne of the beast? And, it, and that'd be the beast. So the throne of the beast would be probably we're dealing with the leaders, right? We're dealing with, with the emperors at this point. So we are basically now saying it, this nation's done for. We are now bringing judgments not only in an economic way, in a suffering way, in a pain way, in a political way, even upon the emperors themselves. There are things that are happening to show that this is going to be lights out for for the nation. And I think verse ten is so interesting. The people nod their tongues in anguish and cursed God. Yeah, sounds about right. Right rather than using the suffering to see the hand of god they use the suffering to be mad at god and and that's a common discussion throughout the scriptures about what suffering is supposed to cause people to do and how sometimes it moves them the right way and sometimes it moves them the wrong way
1: You know bring people to Christ sharing the word sharing the good news sharing the gospel missed that opportunity completely yep COVID happened unfortunately even though I quote unquote grew spiritually I wasn't sounding the alarm I wasn't saying this is <clears of> God <throat> I wasn't trying to be a great people to in Christ right so this this sleep pattern that you talk about I mean we have to be honest with ourselves did we do that right Yep. Because
0: I wasn't doing that. I don't yep. I yep. No, I agree. Uh, I think the first sermon of 2021 Sunday morning was. So what do we all learn from that? Because that's the that's the worst thing you can do is go through trials and hardships and suffering and not learn anything. <laughs> don't do that. that. That's not the intent. God's supposed to make you go. Eye open. Eye brow raised. Okay. You woke me up. Got it. I, I, I'm clicking in now. That's, that's what God's doing with all of that. That's, that's the very argument that uh, Elihu makes to Job. Is that God does these things to pull people back from the pit. Because we run blindly into sin and blindly toward our eternal suffering. And don't have a wake-up call of, hey, pay attention to where you're going. You're off the track. And God does that not only as individuals, but he does that for a nation. And that, that's what you're seeing described here in that.
1: But it's one thing to internally recognize that, but it means squat if you're not out
0: there trying to, you know, sound the alarm and bring people that's right. back to Christ. That's right. Well, and that's, like I said, we, then we had to stand up and go, we can't just look at this and go... Oh, this is terrible. I can't go on vacation anymore. <laughs> it was supposed to be spiritually jarring and go, oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I I would like to believe in all my sovereignty that I am in control of all things of my life. And here's God going, I can spin that upside down in a millisecond if you want. I can just go boom and some catch that, some don't. But I think you're right that. To those who are spiritually aware, not only are you supposed to receive it, but then you tell others about it. it. What is God trying to tell us? What is God saying? That was what this was supposed to do, Julie.
2: Lot of regret um but a lot of growth we have, we have to learn from that
0: um it is that's the hope is that no matter what happens we learn from it it's one thing to fall on your face we're all going to fall on our face question is are you going to learn from that or are you going to just fall on your face again that's 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 really where god is at with things is it's it's never the problem of falling down it's the problem of if you don't get back up that's that's when you've got God in, in a problem. Is you got to get back up, yes, sir.
3: I think it's important to recognize as well, and I want to use Noah. That in Second Peter he says that he was a preacher. There is noah preaching for a hundred years. a judgment is about to come. Yep. Yeah. Only eight souls repented. Yeah. In here, we're going to see several times that God is talking about. Um, you know that. Uh, He's judging people, he's pricking you, he's telling you change. Yet still, people are blaspheming, people are cursing God, mm-hmm. people are changing. To add on to the points I said there is like, I have to be introspective and watch. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Making sure I'm not following them. Exactly. Because, like Isaiah says, the word of God never fails, it never comes back to empty. it accomplishes right. what he wants it done. Yeah. It's going to push people away. It is. That God knows they're not going to change. He's going to push them away. That's right. I have to stay. We have to stay focused and not look around and see people. It is sad. It is very sad because it could be your child. It could be your spouse. Yeah. It could be someone very close to you. That's right. It's very sad. But just like Joshua said, I have to stand. As for me and my house. Yep. We're not leaving. That's but right. So while they drift away, that's what God intended it to do. Yep. We
0: stay put. There's always a purging, a winnowing that God is, all, is constantly doing, and and uh, you see that idea here played out as as well. We're running out of time, real quick. Go ahead, Muriel. Um, I'm out of time, but I want to point out to you that the idea, don't forget the idea of darkness in verse 10, when the kingdom is plunged into darkness and you have darkness, what are we talking about? But you're done. It's the end of the nation. It's the end of the line. So these first five bulls are just uh, your time is is done and nobody's repenting from that. So that, that leaves us for the rest of chapter 16. Uh, next week i hope you'll pay attention to that because that's the armageddon text and of course you know there you go <laughs> that's that's the whole thing so uh be ready for armageddon and the and the final bull and uh that probably only you get to do chapter 16 next week 15 minute break reconvene at ten thirty for our next hour thank you everybody really-